Thank you for the privilege to join you as we worship the Lord and hear from His Word. And hopefully His promises will be the anchor in your storm this morning, whatever that storm may be. And if you're not in a storm this morning, it's good ammunition to store away because you will be in a storm eventually. And I think as a country, we're heading into the edge of quite the hurricane. So it's best that you be prepared. We're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 this morning. And uh, before we get there, I think we have... uh, I'm a very visual person, so I asked if we could uh, do it the way I normally do it. There are pluses and minuses to doing it this way, but hopefully you'll find some blessing in it. Psalm 34 says, God is near to the brokenhearted. He is near to the brokenhearted. And I love this artistic work. And it brings a great question when you see that on the arms, I'm okay, but behind it, the word broken. How many times have someone asked you how you were and you said, I'm okay? The reality is we're all broken. And are we saying I'm okay as a cover for our brokenness? Or are we saying that we're okay in spite of our brokenness because of the grace of God? And what are we broken by? What are we broken by? Are we broken from the burdens, stresses, circumstances, and overwhelming feelings of life? Are we broken because of our dreams? You know, Disney told us that all our dreams could come true. And uh, that's becoming quite a nightmare. Or are we broken in sin? Because yet again, our own flesh has tripped us up and broken our own hearts. Our hearts are deceitful. They lie to us. Or are we broken hearted? What do we mean by broken even? Hopefully it's broken hearted and we come to the Lord that He would heal it because only He can. As David in Psalm 51 said, Create in me a clean heart, O God. This morning we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians, but just I like this visual to remind us that the church at Corinth was not an exemplary church, unless you mean an example of immaturity and brokenness. And it's interesting to me that how many people want to run to 1 Corinthians as the proof text for different doctrines and thinking. Uh, they, those who love the sign gift of speaking in tongues, for instance, go to 1 Corinthians and not Acts, a church that is full of brokenness. They had divisions by verse 10 of chapter 1. He's rebuking them because there are divisions in the church. There's a man who's sleeping with his stepmother. Uh, Members of the church are taking each other to court and suing each other. Uh, They're abusing the Lord's table. On and on and on and on it goes. And we see that they are full of troubles. And so Paul is writing an admonishment to them. I could give you uh, the issues from each chapter, but just to save time, we won't. But he's challenging them that they are broken for a reason. And that is because they are content and complacent to live without faith and without trusting the Lord. And so this morning, I want to encourage us to think of four words. We're going to talk about them again and again. And that is, but God is faithful. But God is faithful. And as we go through, as I say those first two words, but God, I hope you'll respond, is faithful. Let me read to you the passage we'll be focusing in on and those four words that we want to see. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction. He's speaking as we talked in the adult study class earlier. Uh, He's speaking of the people of Israel, their wanderings from Egypt, how God was faithful to them again and again. And how they were unfaithful to God. And even though 3,000 years ago, you might think that people in the ancient Middle East, on the other side of the planet, in a different time and day, are so different from us, but in reality, we're the same. And in many respects, to whom much is given, much is required, you would think that the Lord would want more from us who have been given so much more. These things happened as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages have come. Therefore, let the one who thinks he stands, who thinks he stands, watch out that he does not fall. 
No temptation. None. I hear this often. I have my master's degree in biblical counseling. And I hear people all the time telling me, but you don't understand, Pastor Mike. It's harder for me than other people. There's no temptation that's taken you, but such as is common to man. There's no temptation that has overtaken you except something common to mankind. And God is faithful. So He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Now the word there, the first one, and, is a word that can be translated either way. And or but. And they have different purposes and meanings, right? But most times in the Bible it's translated as but. But God is faithful. And that word but is the, if you will, the seat of authority to cancel what was said before it. Right? How many times, my wife's worried that I'm going to say something I shouldn't, um, which is, I love big butts and I cannot lie. And those butts are in the Bible all over the place. And those butts are important. Uh, a young person is dating someone else. And they said, I need to talk to you. That's always a flag. You're really nice. You come from a great family. There's so many things I appreciate about you. But it isn't working out. Do you even remember the things that are said before the but? Right? Isn't that how buts work? They're the seat of authority that cancels out what was said before. And it says we're going in a different direction. It's decisive. It's pivotal. It makes a difference. And that is our hope in this verse. But there's also the word and. It works both ways here. Because God said, Daniel, you're going to Babylon. I know it's not Jerusalem. I know it's not the ideal picture. I know it's not what you want. But and, and as you go to Babylon, I will be with you. Then it's interesting. He says, well, with the temptation, make a way to escape. So sometimes he lets us escape temptation and sometimes we have to have the and that in the midst of the temptation, he'll be with us. Solomon in Ecclesiastes, the first couple of chapters, he says, whoa, life is futile. Women, I've had a thousand of them. Drink, I've drunk myself silly. Accomplishments, I've built this, that, and the other thing. And life is empty. Until chapter 2, he says, And God, but God, makes life a gift. You see, the problem was, God wasn't in the equation until an afterthought and a reflection. Too often, you and I leave God out of our equations. We have all kinds of plans, intentions, we, we have goals, but we've not even submitted them to the will of God. And then we wonder why they don't succeed. We ask God's rubber stamp, not His will, too often. I confess it. And and but. They're important. And we need to add God to our plans and to our situations. So, that's an important verse. But God, or and God is faithful. But God is faithful. What does that mean? Let's talk about what it doesn't mean because so many Christians still, still take this verse out of context, still misunderstand it, still abuse it, and unfortunately the devil uses it against you to imply that God has not been faithful. So let me give you a couple of examples uh, from the internet, a great place of authority. <laughs> right? They say that God never gives you more than you can handle. Is that what the passage said? Mm -mm. It's missing something. It's missing the and. I, I, I have had many people say to me, Pastor Mike, you know it's like Philippians 4 says, I can do all things. I can do all things. Uh, you're forgetting the very important part that comes after. Through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, well, you know what I meant, Pastor Mike. That was, that was just my shorthand version. No. 
No, 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 no. You don't leave God out. Because in, in time, you literally will leave God out. That's the important part. Don't forget the end. God is faithful. This passage is not telling us that God's going to give you all that you need. Now go get them, tiger. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'll help you. You're going to find out you need me. You need me. As a young Christian, I was involved in our youth group. Uh, long story short, um, I was not in church for a long time. Uh, a friend invited me back to, to church, to a youth group. He hounded me. I decided to go there. Uh, the night of that activity, I walked down the steps of similar building to this one, walked down the steps around the corner and literally bumped into this pretty girl in a green dress. And I said, I think God wants me to worship here regularly. <laughs> it's an interesting how God uses those things. And we've been married 40 years now this spring. See? 40 years. She keeps asking me, when do we go into the promised land? And, you know, that's, isn't that, that's what I was waiting for. And uh, I remember as a young Christian, I got saved, I got excited. We started a Bible study in the boys' lockup. It's where kids went before they went on to prison. And we'd play basketball, and I'd teach them the Bible, and I don't know how much heresy I taught them at that age, but I did. And I was excited, and I remember thinking, God, just give me the ball. Give me the... I love football. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. Let me, let me serve you. And he gave me the ball, and I found out that the devil has a, a massive front line. <laughs> and man, did they take me down. Just like Bubba, who broke my arm. His name was Bubba. They say that God never gives you more than you can handle. The fact is, we can't handle life as is. The emphasis here isn't on what you can do. The emphasis here is on what God will provide and do and work in and through and for you. God not only should not be left out, He should be the primary person in all your thinking, in all your ways acknowledge Him. Right? Notice the second one. Um, and this one is from, you can't read it on that screen, but it's from the Addiction Treatment Center, which they should know better of all people. God will never give you more than you can handle... He just sometimes has more faith in us than we do ourselves. Do you see how twisted, how distorted, how inside out, upside down, what a monster we've created of, of this passage of Scripture. This, this is not what the Scripture is saying. The Scripture is saying, without me, you can do nothing. In fact, uh, I was working this week, had a lot of interruptions this week, and one of them is my three-year-old grandson who keeps coming in and he calls me Bobo. He says, Bobo, will you help me? How can you say no to that? How can you say no to that? But that's, that is what the Lord wants us to do, isn't it? To say we can't handle and we need you, Lord. Listen to um, 2 Corinthians, if you will, verses 1 or chapter 1, verses 8, 9, and 10. I don't put everything on the screen, or it would really be long, but... Uh, the, the Apostle Paul is telling us how this verse works, and he tells us in a practical way. 2 Corinthians 1, 8. Paul says, We do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters. A very similar way to how he charted, started this chapter. Of our affliction which occurred in Asia... That we were burdened excessively beyond our strength. So that we despaired even of life. Either he wished he were dead or he thought he was going to die. Maybe both. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves. So that... We would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who rescued us from so great a danger of death, and will rescue us, He on whom we have set our hope, and He will yet 
deliver us. Notice it says, He has rescued us. He is rescuing us. He will rescue us. He is our hope. But did you hear what he said earlier? It was more than we could handle. It was more than we could handle. And that's when God reminds you, you're right, you can't handle it. But I can. Look to me. Walk with me. Those are the sweetest moments when my grandson comes and says, Baba, will you help me? And he likes to watch how I do it and we talk about it and what are you going to do with this? It's relationship. It's, it's sweetness of connection. It's parenting and loving and teaching and, and it's sweet. I like this um, portrayal of the passage. No temptation has overtaken you. Um, that is not common to man, but God is faithful. And I like how they have the escape. Now there are two words in this passage. Escape and endure. Escape and endure. Most of us want the constant escape. Right? Who wants overwhelming burdens, heartaches, terrible feelings that plague you and haunt you? I love to escape difficult situations. Anybody else? Just get me out of here. We always want out. And I always think of my favorite character in the Old Testament, Joseph. He's my favorite because I'm so unlike him and I need to be much more so. Right? Joseph was in a terrible situation. His brothers hated him and so they plot to kill him. Well, God gave him an escape from murder. Slavery. In slavery, God uses him. Do you remember, remember what I said? I think it says it three times in that one passage. God was with him. God was with him. And I think about Joseph. I don't think he ever went to Egyptian classes and learned the language. And he didn't know the culture or the people. Or the, he, he was a Hebrew. And he becomes a slave and he serves... Potiphar's house and he does so well with such grace and faithfulness and, and the desire to help them succeed that Potiphar's wife takes notice of him and she kept trying to pull him into bed and she must have been somewhat attractive or Joseph was a man and never got to date because every time she reached for him, he fled. You don't have to run if there's no temptation. Right? I don't run from meatloaf. I walk. It doesn't appeal to me. Right? So, he fled. He ran. And it got too much. So God gave him another escape. Prison! Hey, listen... Sometimes I would rather be in prison than have to deal with the torment of my flesh and the temptations of the world. In fact, he was more free in prison than he was in slavery. Free to serve God without those distractions, right? And yet again, God was using it all. Do you remember what Joseph said? You meant it to me for evil, but God meant, meant, God God didn't just let it happen. He meant for it to happen. He said earlier in chapter 45, he said, God sent me ahead to save many souls. You see, I need more of that kind of faith. That <laughs> says, but God is faithful. But God is faithful. Uh, let me put it another way. <clears throat> what this is saying to you is this. Every single time you sin, God did not want you to. And if you'll go back and look through your mind and your memories and the situation, you'll realize that God gave you a lot of exit ramps on the broad road to destruction. But you didn't take them. It reminds me of the time many years ago, um, we were getting low on gas in the car, but I didn't like the prices I was seeing, so I said, one more exit. You know what happened. <clears throat> My wife still lets me know about that too. God gives us many 
off ramps on the road to sin, doesn't he? And we need to take them. Maybe it was a friend who was challenging us, or maybe there was some other conviction of the Holy Spirit, but there are always those exit ramps of God's working in your life to lead you away from it. So, why is this phrase here, but God is faithful? Well, the the Corinthians, they were embroiled and entangled in all kinds of sin and all aspects of their lives, and they had become complacent. They weren't even trying to serve the Lord. They were making excuses and justifications for their sin. And so Paul's saying, look, you don't want to be like the Israelites. They are our examples to learn from so we don't have to repeat history. Let's see, let's get to the, the promised land instead of wandering in the wilderness. And may I remind you from Romans 3, God must prove to be true though every person be found a liar. God must prove to be true. So why is Paul telling us, but God is faithful? This but is a pivot point. It's, it's, a, it's an important shift. God is telling us that He wants to save us from sin, not just forgive us for it. So why does He assert this truth? Well, a number of reasons. Number one, when God speaks, His truth prevails. When God says something... Anything otherwise is a lie. For instance, I saw where someone recently put on their Facebook account the Bible verse, God made them male and female. And Facebook banned them. People say, well, the Bible doesn't directly address the 70-some. It all depends on who you talk to. How many genders there are. Right? But God said He made us male and female. When God speaks, that's it. Doesn't matter how you feel. Doesn't matter what you think. Your feelings and thoughts have gotten you in plenty of trouble already. Let God's word be the final word. He knows. The enemy in our feelings whisper lies. Our feelings lie to us. You know that, right? I fast every day between breakfast and lunch and between lunch and dinner. But in between, my flesh tells me I need more. You know what I'm talking about. I'm just being silly and funny, but it's Isn't it true? And it's true on so many levels. The enemy, the devil, lies. You know he's lying because he opens his mouth. That's who he is. And our feelings whisper to us again and again. That's why we need to hear it again and again. But God is faithful. We've misinterpreted His Word. We've misinterpreted His intentions. We're impatient and myopic. We're impatient. You see, much of what God has promised will come in time. My grandkids, I've I've come to learn, I can't promise them anything because they expect it immediately. Uh, In a couple weeks, we're going to go on a hike. Okay, later in the afternoon. What time is the hike? Right? It's it's always, they want it now. And we want it the way we want it. We want it the way we want it. And we're ignorant. We're ignorant of blessings and reality. But God is faithful. We were talking about it in the adult class. You see, every time you and I complain, every single time we complain, we are neglecting the blessings we have and saying, God should have given me more. He should have given me better. He should have given me different. We, but open our eyes. Do you know in 6,000 years of human history, if you take a literal creation, I do, we have never lived in a time or a place in the world where we have been blessed to have such freedoms, such blessings. I have never known real hunger. In fact, after visiting 
Haiti and some other places on missions trips, I've asked my family to stop saying that lie that I'm starving. Because it is a warped distortion that further reinforces your entitlement. What an insult to people who truly are starving. Right? We, if, if, if you live in America, even on welfare, you have more income than 70 to 80% of the world today. In America, we have safety nets if things go bad. In Haiti, they don't. In Haiti, I watched a woman hand her baby to one of our team members and beg her to keep her baby. Take her back to America because I have nothing to give her. We were all crying. Don't forget what you have. Thank God every day. That's why in everything we should give thanks because we have so much. We have so much more than most people have ever known. It's incredible. And we're ignorant when we start to believe that God is not faithful. He's been beyond faithful. Now listen, this is important. But God is faithful or He's a liar. <gasps> Pastor my God, did you say that? I said, or He's a liar. God has promised to be faithful. If He does not keep that promise, he's, He either is unwilling or can't, and therefore He is not God. But God is able. And here's the reality. Too many of us are recovering health, wealth, and prosperity believers. We think God owes us good health, lots of wealth, and plenty of prosperity. But ten of the disciples died martyrs' deaths. And many of the people of God throughout history have been persecuted. The church in Nigeria and the Congo right now are being slaughtered simply for being believers. Simply for being believers. And we complain about how hard it is and the, the people who unfriend us. We, don't, we need to get a dose of reality. And remember that in spite of all the things happening in my life, but God is faithful. He is not a liar. To start to believe the whispers of the devil is a tragic mistake. Romans 8, that classic passage about God's love, I often think of it. He says the, the mantra of the day, verse 36, For your sake, Lord, we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you're a sheep to be slaughtered? That being one of God's sheep means that, that you may have to suffer, you may have to die. Well, remember what Jesus told us to do? Pick up your cross and... Uh, what, what's the point of a cross? To die. But, but how did that next verse go on in Romans 8? No! We are not merely sheep to be slaughtered. And by the way, if we are, read Revelation because guess where all the people are singing? Before a lamb who had been slain and is standing and ruling and worthy to open the seals. Listen, I want to be with Him. So if it means suffering, so be it. Because the suffering is only temporary and, and will end. And for the child of God, we will live forever. Remember, I love, I love this one. Noah waited 120 years for God's promise and work. Abraham waited 25 years. Actually, he didn't really wait. He tried to accomplish God's will in his flesh. That didn't go so well. Jacob waited 20 years. Also, Joseph waited 13 years. God gave Joseph a dream. And Joseph was like, yay! And then 13 years of slavery in prison before God gave it to him. 
Moses waited 40 years, and then he waited another 40 years. <laughs> God anointed David, but it took 12 years to become king. How he could have manipulated that to bring about the end of Saul, but did not. He waited on God's timing. What were the wise men thinking after they visited Jesus in 30 years? Crickets. Nothing. But God is faithful. Isn't that promising? Isn't that hopeful? Listen, you might be thinking, well, to follow God means that all my suffering will end. It will. It will. When you die. And then He will wipe away your tears. And you will never suffer again. But folks, this world was never meant to be heaven. I, I love what someone said, it's not mine. <clears throat> this world is the only heaven the lost will ever know. And it's the only hell the follower of Christ will ever know. I love that. Because we're, we're going home. We're going home. They don't have that promise. We do. And God is faithful. God is faithful. God does not set us up to fail, but to have faith. And that's what the Corinthians were implying. And that's what Paul was saying. By the way, whenever you read Scripture, you need to understand that, that God is using Scripture to answer our questions, our life questions. Does God set us up to fail? Never. Never. Listen, if you have a teacher whose class, 50% of them fail, the problem isn't the class. Teachers prepare so that you can pass. They teach you, they prepare you, they instruct you, they help you not to be ignorant, as Paul said at the beginning of the chapter. God prepares us. Our problem is we don't study, we don't do our homework, we don't apply the principles, we don't live by what He says. And again and again in the Scripture, we see God is faithful. When we say we had no choice, I couldn't help it. People always say to me, Pastor Mike, I couldn't help what I did. Oh, I was born this way. Uh, well, if you're a Christian, remember, you've been born again. God fixed that problem and He gave you a divine nature, Second Peter 1 says. And, and He has set you free. When we sin, listen, every single time, when we sin, He was faithful, we were not. Don't turn it around. Don't blame God for your sin. Young man said to me once, <clears throat> not once, I've had many young men say to me, well, Pastor Mike, if God didn't want me to look at girls, why do you make them so pretty? That's not, in other words, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. He's always there with us and for us. And it's always about love. It's always about love. Whether or not you're questioning His love for you, or the reality is that you are not loving Him, but loving your sin. Especially when we live in tents. Abraham lived in tents. Do you remember the passage in Hebrews 11? He lived in tents. Why? Because life is intense. And because we're not to put our roots too deep in this world. We're supposed to be looking to eternity, laying up our treasures in heaven. I think I heard that earlier in the Bible reading. We are too content to live in the wilderness. You know, again and again it happens in the Scripture. But do you remember when God sent the people of Israel to Babylon? Do you remember? God gave them some promises and told them that they could come home in 70 years. 70 years later, Cyrus made the decree and most of the people of Israel stayed in Babylon. What's up with that? But then I remember, remember those times when you sent your kid to the room for being disobedient, to be punished? And you went up and you opened the door and said, you can come out now, your punishment's over. And they stayed. Because they found that puzzle that they had forgotten about or that book that they had sat down and hadn't finished reading or 
or those Legos and they started making something and they just made the best of their situation and stayed in their room. God had blessed Israel even in their discipline so much they weren't willing to go home. And then comes the story of Esther. You see, they could have avoided that. They could have avoided that. But it's always about love. It's always about love. Someone has summarized the theology of the Old and New Testament this way, and I think it's true. The Old Testament, sorrow as the result of faithless men, hope as the result of a faithful God. Even while they were in Babylon, God blessed them so much they didn't want to come home. They didn't go into the promised land. They wandered in the wilderness. God blessed them again and again and again. He protected them from their enemies. He fed them every day. He loved them. He was with them. He never left them, even though they did not follow Him like they should. You and I, we sin and we fail, don't we? Do you know, I saw a statistic not long ago, that evangelical Christians in America, less than 10% of evangelical Christians give 10% or more of their income to the Lord and His work. But who do we call to and say has been unfaithful to us when we have bills we can't pay? Isn't that odd? We're unfaithful with the stewardship of His finances, but then we blame Him when we can't keep up with our greed and covetousness. But God is faithful to rescue us again and again from the mouth of the lion like David. But God is faithful to forgive us again and again. Every day. Every day we ask Him to forgive us. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins and trespasses. Happens every day. But God is faithful to set us free. You don't, the world uses the word addiction, the Bible doesn't. The Bible uses the word slavery. And we have a new master. We don't need to use that word addiction. You know why I don't like that word addiction? I worked, I, I was in a psych unit as a therapist. It's important to know. <laughs> I was in a psych unit doing my internship, and they kept saying, Once an addict, 1 Corinthians 6 says, That's what you were. Not what you are. That's what you were. My brother was an addict. He was literally eating from garbage cans, living in the streets. I don't believe he's a true believer. But he's starting his own HVAC company. He's been working for years. He makes more money than I do. Even the lost somehow can be set free by the grace of God from some of those things. Don't tell me you're always an addict. Jesus said, I've come to set you free and you shall be free indeed. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. There's, there comes the lie again. I never said it was easy. He never said it was easy. Right? He is faithful to equip us. He gives us the tools. He gives us His Word. Have you really spent time in it? Have you really spent time in it? I'm not talking about a verse slapped here and there out of context. I'm talking about feeding on the Word. Are we malnourished and then we blame God that we can't run the race? He's faithful to empower us. His Holy Spirit lives within us. There's no reason you can't have the fruit of the Spirit. Do you, under, do you hear what it said in the end? Against such there is no law. There is no law. There's no law that can keep you from having the fruit of the Spirit. You can love the unlovable, joy unspeakable, peace beyond understanding. Those are the promises of Scripture. Why is the church not enjoying them? Because we lack the faith to trust Him. We sin and we fail, but He does not fail us. Here's the big one. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous so that He will forgive us our sins. People keep saying to me, Pastor Mike, uh, you don't understand, I can't forgive myself. <sighs> Number one, you're right, you can't. You don't have the authority. 
You can't. You know why you can't? Because you can't. You're not the one offended. God is only... He can release you of your sin. So no, you can't forgive yourself. Technically, or with authority. Secondly, God never told us to forgive ourselves. Jesus died on the cross and paid for it. He said, it is finished. He said, if you confess your sins, He is faithful. When you say, well, I don't feel forgiven, what you're really saying is God wasn't faithful. You're calling Him a liar. You're telling Him you know better. You shouldn't be forgiven. No, you're right again. You shouldn't. That's why we call it amazing grace. You shouldn't be forgiven. But it's amazing that He loves you anyway. We keep arguing with God about something He's already done. You're forgiven. Move on. Peter denied Him three times. And then he said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Let's go. You and I need to take a note from that, don't we? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Grace is not simply leniency when we have sinned. Grace is the enabling gift of God so that we don't have to sin. Grace is power, not just pardon. And I would argue it's not even leniency. It's forgiveness. It's done. What is the point of this passage? But God is faithful. It's God's response to our past regrets. Let them go. That's the one time Disney got it right. Let it go. Let it go. The plaguing shame, the lingering doubts and questions, the consequences that remain. Now listen, He may forgive you, but He doesn't take away all the consequences. They still wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They still got sent to Babylon. David still lost his son. But you're forgiven. Present perspective. Too many of us get up in the morning. I know my grandkids are so blessed. They get up every morning thinking, what fun thing are we going to do today? Listen, my friends, we might be able to protect our children for a while, but you must get rid of that thinking because you are not entering the world that is a playground. It is a battleground. It is a battleground, and we are losing in the big picture from the world's perspective. But God is faithful. And it's about future fears. Why, why do we hear that phrase, but God is faithful? Because the devil's favorite game is what if. What if? What if? What if it is cancer? What if I do lose my job? What if Biden does win a second term? Oh, I'm sorry. I went, I went too far. I went too far. I'm just teasing with you. What if? But God is faithful. And that what if sometimes means, but I can't. We're, looking, we're already looking for excuses to not believe in God. But do you see that God sent ten plagues on Egypt. The people of Israel tested God ten times in the wilderness. He brings them up to the brink of paradise, of the promised land, and they got, no, can't do it. Said, all right, 40 years. 40 years. My friends, worry works. Worry works. Near 98% of all the things I've ever worried about never happened. Worry works. It works to distract me from God's work in my life, from His blessings and goodness, from all the treasures I already have, from His purpose and ministry. It works to distract us and rob us of His joy. And most of the things you worry about never happen anyway. And the ones that do, you couldn't stop. So why were you worrying? God will get you through. You know, the bottom line is it's our struggle. He loves us enough to care more about our holiness than our happiness. 
And the reason you and I worry and the reason that we need to hear, but God is faithful, is because we still haven't let go of what we want Him to do for us instead of trusting that His will is better than ours. But even Jesus wrestled in the garden and prayed, Not my will, but thine be done. That's the end of it. That's the point of it. The reason you and I wrestle, the reason you and I worry, the reason that that we struggle is because we're not living in tents with tent stakes. We're, we're, We're planning to stay here. And we're forgetting our purpose. And we're not believing that He'll be good in the big picture. Until you know that life is war, you cannot know what prayer is for. When do you and I pray most? There you go. What was God saying then? But God is faithful. He's saying, come to me. Come and we'll get through this together. Life is more about our relationship than your comfort. And isn't that a blessing? Faithful. Faithful to what or who? But God is faithful to Himself. He's faithful to Himself. He will not lie to you. God is faithful to His Word. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Some of us are sowing what we've reaped and then we blame God for it. But God is faithful to your Christ-likeness. You know what? A lot of people don't like the doctrine of predestination and they have some very different views on it. But we do have to all agree on this. We have been predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's the overarching promise. Whether you're an Arminian or Calvinist, God's work, His Michelangelo, is to chip away all the rock that doesn't belong there, and there will be the beauty of what He wanted you to be. He's chipping away at you. God is faithful to be with you. You'll never be without Him. But God is faithful to your future, speaking mostly of eternity. But God is faithful to love you forever. Nothing can separate us from His love. 2 Timothy, if we are faithless, He is still faithful. For He cannot deny Himself. Worry is not believing God will get it right. And bitterness is believing God got it wrong. And it's all wrapped up in the idolatry of yourself. Or saying it differently, worry is believing that God will get it wrong without your advice. Please, Lord, don't listen to me. <laughs> let's wrap it up there. Well, no, let's jump ahead if we can to Lamentations 3. I'm out of time. Again, we take God's word out of context. Do you know the verse in Lamentations 3? The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Now, when I look for pictures for these things, I cannot find a picture that gives the true reality or context. Isn't that beautiful? Who wouldn't want to be there? Isn't that the sunset, the golden sunset, the waterfall? It's amazing. Now let me show you the context in which God gave this promise. Jerusalem is burning. Israel is being scattered and dispersed over the face of the earth. The people are being taken as slaves to the land of Babylon, where they babble on. And this is what the Lord says. Lamentations 3. My soul has been excluded from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say, my strength has failed, and so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my misery and my homelessness, the wormwood and bitterness. My soul certainly remembers and is bent over within me. I recall this to mind, therefore I wait. The Lord's acts of mercy indeed do not end, for His compassions do not fail. They are new Every morning, every morning, God gives you a mercy. 
Did you see it today? Did you see it yesterday? You get at least one every day. Even when He disciplines you. Even when you've been disobedient. Even when you've been faithless. But God is faithful. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. Thank God my salvation and the security of it does not rest on mine. It rests on His. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I wait for Him. The Lord is good to those who await Him, to the person who seeks Him. It is good that He waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. But God is faithful. Whatever your situation. If your baby dies, but God is faithful. If your partner cheats on you and abandons you, but God is faithful. If you get a dreadful disease, but God is faithful. If all hope is gone, you've left God out. And God is faithful. When He disciplines you, but God is faithful. One last thought. If you're not His child, you don't get that promise. If you're here this morning or watching, don't you want Him on your side? Don't you want someone in the seat of authority that will bring a pivot in all of the bad moments of your life so that you can say, but God is faithful. Please talk to someone here today. Text, call, come see someone if you don't know Jesus. And if you're His, whatever comes this week, just remember those four words. But God is faithful. Father, we love You. We know it's not all it should be. And we're not bragging by any means. <clears throat> we're just giving You Your due and recognizing that You are worthy. Father, I want to thank You for Pastor George and for this church and for Lauren and Zach and Thea. They are an immense blessing to us as well. In fact... Lord, you know, I have been on the licensing council for many years. I have been a part of many ordinations. I think I can honestly say I've never seen a man handle it better than George did. And this church is truly blessed to have him. Father, may they support him and encourage him and love him well. And thank you for the gift that he is and his dear wife and children. Thank you for what you're doing in their lives. Thank you that even in the midst of COVID and some struggles, you, God, will be faithful. Bless this church. Help us, Lord, the days ahead look dark and dreary. But if you're with us, that's heaven in itself. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.